at Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them. So grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room. For more movie friends. So sit back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Welcome. 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 To the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. My name is not Aaron. It's in fact Robert. I'm one of the editors at SifPop.com, and today I'm joined by two SifPop.com writers, John. Hello there. And Nick. Hi, everybody. We're here to talk about some of the biggest movie releases of August 2023. We'll be talking about Blue Beetle, Gran Turismo, The Last Voyage of the Demeter, Meg 2 The Trench, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, and a couple wild cards at the end. Time codes are in the episode description if you want to hear us talk about certain movies, and we won't be discussing spoilers, so you are safe there. Lastly, we will be rating each one of these movies on the classic Sif Pop scale of like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay. Um, quick disclaimer about the month of August is that it's probably been the least exciting month, at least in my opinion, of movies so far this year. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, I had trouble musting up the uh, motivation to go to see a couple of these, and normally I'm there opening weekend. There were a couple I was like worried about making showtimes because I waited so long to see them. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, I uh, when we get to it, there's one movie I wasn't able to see, which I haven't had that happen on these review roundups yet. Um, but I, they're just extenuating life circumstances, which caused me to not be able to see uh, one of these movies. But that's okay. Both Nick and John did see it, and they'll have a lovely conversation about it, I'm sure. Yeah, with that, I'm tired of talking, and we're, we're recording early, and I think you can tell that I'm a little bit tired based on my voice. So let's get into Blue Beetle. Nick, did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or think it was just okay? Oh, this is a weird one for me, because like I'm on the low side of it was just okay, okay. but like I when, when I talk about it, it's going to sound like I hated this movie. <laughs> All right, John, what about you? <laughs> Uh, I've been sort of going back and forth along the spectrum of it's just okay. I, I think I started mm. at its low side of just okay. I think now I'm probably at like solid just okay, like right in the middle. <laughs> we'll make this conversation somewhat varied and say I'm on the high side of just okay. Yeah. And I'm kind of the opposite of you, Nick. I thought you were going to say the same thing as me, but um, talking about it, it might sound like I really like it because I have a lot of positive things to say about it, but I really do think it was just okay. Uh, before we get into it, the summary for Blue Beetle. An alien scarab chooses Jaime Reyes to be its symbiotic host, bestowing the recent college graduate with a suit of armor that's capable of extraordinary powers, forever changing his destiny as he becomes a superhero known as Blue Beetle. So what I like about this, I want to just get into that quickly before we, you know, potentially start trashing out a little bit, is that it genuinely feels earnest and self-contained, which you cannot say about many or most mainstream comic book movies these days and that's kind of what i've bumped heads with uh and why i you know i'm not super excited to see a lot of them these days and maybe if you listen to this show my enthusiasm is not always the highest when i talk about things like shazam 2 or something like that uh but blue beetle i i had a decent amount of fun with it but i mostly just respected its heart uh, and its earnestness and its willingness to go to certain places and let the emotions hang in the air for a minute instead of, you know, pulling a quip or a joke out of nowhere just for the sake of it. So 
yeah, I, I want to throw that out there. This one definitely, you know, ha- has a certain air that a lot of superhero movies these days don't. I'll agree with that. The The heart was definitely there. Um, it It's really, for me, it was the content, but uh, I'll, I'll keep it positive for now. I, I did really mm-hmm. also enjoy the style in which the director, uh, the flair that he brought to the movie, like, he had some interesting camera work. He had, you know, some dynamic shots, though the way the camera moved around. I think there were a couple of dr- cool drone shots that he, that he used. Um, those things I I really enjoyed, and I wouldn't mind seeing him get another crack at it. For me, it, it came down to the the story and the script just really is what, what I could not get through because uh, I kind of like this character from uh, other properties. Mm. And uh, I think that's where they completely fumbled the ball. Um, I think they kind of nailed his personality in the sense that he was really fun, especially dealing with his family members. I really loved that part of the movie. Family's great. It was just when I walked out of the theater, there was a couple guys talking and they looked at me and they're like, how did you like it? And I'm like, can you tell me more than two things about Jaime Reyes? And you can't say he graduated from college and loves his family. And they were like, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, exactly. <laughs> it was so, I was really disappointed that like he just had no personality. I, I thought that scene from the trailer where he pulls out the giant sword and he does the like anime sword thing. Like, oh, okay. They're going to show us in the movie that he's like super into anime. And like, this is part of his character. No, nothing. They don't show us anything about Jaime's character. And I just really was disappointed with, that element coupled with the fact that the the suit was like a, a mini iron man jr like it was a lady she didn't she didn't like have a personality at all and i was really disappointed with that like i really felt like she could have brought more uh like personality to the suit like they do in the cartoon so i was disappointed there and then like you have a suit that can make anything your mind can think of and he just he he does it for a little bit in in the at the home fight scene but then the rest of the movie, it's just punching all the way down. So it just, I, yeah, that, I'm so that, disappointed. That is probably like my biggest negative, like the, the main character. I can't even remember his name. But what did you say it was? Jaime. 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 What, what does he actually do like for himself throughout the entire film? Like the suit does everything and his family does a lot of the other stuff really to sort of help right. him out. Uh, like he he does a little bit of sort of like ensuring it doesn't uh, like kill things, you know. He sort of like guides it in that way, but it's mostly the suit, really. That sort That's of the bare it. minimum, making sure he doesn't kill people. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, his family kill people actually later on. So uh, yeah, right. yeah uh, so I think it's really. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, I I enjoyed most of this. Uh, it was just sort of I think like the ending that really uh, kind of. Um, annoyed me really because the the climax is just sort of like every superhero movie you've seen like over the last few years i I like the fact that this was basically just a sort of standalone thing there's there's nothing like alluding Mm -hmm. to other than like the mid-credit scene there's nothing alluding to a sequel or an expanded universe thing here it's very much self-contained and i like that you know after all the sort of mcu stuff we've seen over the last few years um so i like that about it uh it was just sort of like um the main characters, the family's great. I love their dynamic. You know, again, it's quite refer- that's actually quite an original thing that we've not seen before. Is uh, like families, like knowing that he's sure. a superhero and uh, getting involved just as much as he does. But he he just doesn't really sort of do anything. The suit does everything, and his family does everything else. It's like he's a very sort of boring central character. And it 
it disappointed me because I I am a massive Cobra Kai fan, so I know that actor. I'm, I have no idea how okay. to pronounce his name. I'm afraid. But he is great in Cobra Kai. I, I was excited to see him. This is the main reason I was excited to see this film, is uh, see him in a different role and see what he's like in this. And his, his character is just so boring. It's just not yeah, particularly interesting. That's what it was. Uh, and and the, I think the other thing is, like, it, it's a lot of things from other superhero films that we've seen before. It's, it's Iron Man and it's Venom but combined, basically. Um, yeah, and it, with a little bit of Spider-Man thrown yeah, in there. <laughs> uh, the, the sort of not killing, I suppose, is uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, um, uh, and it's just uh, just not uh, very original. I, I think it, it, I, I gave it kind of a chance when I first when they were in the like first act. It's like okay, so we've got like Iron Man and combined with Venom. Let's see if they can do something different with those two things combined that you can't do with just Iron Man or just Venom. And and they, they don't really. It, it's just like every single superhero film you've seen before. Uh, and it's fine as that, it, you know, I enjoy it. That's why I sort of said it was just okay. But there's nothing really, other than maybe the family, that it seemed particularly original to me about it. Right. Yeah. Um, the actor, by the way, his name is uh, Zolo Meridueña. So just throw that out there, give okay, him credit. Right, just, I'll try and remember that in the future. Sure. <laughs> but that's been bugging me for a long time. Yeah, I really feel like he was wasted. I, I'm really disappointed because you're right. Cobra Kai is great. He's He's great in it. Yeah, and you guys both hit, uh, hit on the family a few times, and that's one of my main points that it was going to sound like I love the movie because I think that's the main strength of it until I think it gets a little bit too silly with the grandma towards the end. Uh, See, I love that. I, that was my favorite part. <laughs> no, the, grandma, <laughs> the grandma and George Lopez, uh, between the two of them, I was like, oh my God, they saved this movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, George Lopez, 100%. Without the family, I, I think I would yeah. dislike this movie. I would have I mm. said I'd dislike it. Well, there's a big chunk of the movie like they yeah. they put hard work into making that good so that's why you yeah. don't dislike it right yeah. um just about george lopez in the trailer there's this line of him saying something like batman's a fascist yeah and i was just like oh great we're doing more meta you're in on the joke you know that you're a superhero movie you're you're saying like whatever uh keeping it at arm's length don't make fun of us because we're making fun of ourselves um i thought that's what the humor of the movie was going to be and i was not not in the mood for that um but it turns out that's actually like a character driven joke from george lopez's character um yep. and a lot of the humor is character based and between the dynamics of the family and that all works really well so i was happy to see that um and like we said george lopez is just really funny throughout which oh, yeah, shouldn't be that. a surprise at all because he's george lopez but <laughs> i was i was glad that he was included as for the sister i think nick i saw your Letterbox review, and you weren't a fan, were you? Uh, she was just too mean. I, she never, she never crossed that line from mean to and sarc and jerky to sarcastic and charming. Like it just, it just did not work for me. I think they were trying to go I, for like the uh, the sort of standard sort of brother sister kind of like mm -hmm. getting along, but also kind of hating each other at the same time, and it it didn't quite work. I don't think for me it did. I I thought it was sweet sweet enough you know like there there are moments in there that i was enjoying um i definitely see what you're saying because at the beginning she's just kind of mean the whole time but yeah i think it establishes pretty well that that's just the dynamic between that is brothers and um, sisters i think right jaime and his sister right I, if you... just with with her interactions with other people though i felt like she just had one setting and like i i, I didn't have a problem with her being that way with her brother it was just the fact that she didn't turn it off when she was at 
work or like in front of like Susan Sarandon and uh, Jenny. You wanted Ward. to be really nice like, to the villain. I wanted, well, no, I wanted her to <laughs> just, you know, be a person like, you know, this person's your boss. Maybe be a little afraid. Like, I don't know. Well, it that's just seemed like so her weird. character, right? I guess that I didn't like it. <laughs> no F's given, you know, you've just reminded me, actually, we haven't talked about the villain at all. That's because she's so forgettable. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't want to say mean things about Susan Sarandon. She's uh, a treasure. <laughs> no, but you're totally right, John. I've kind of been holding off on my negatives. That's pretty much the main thing is that it's just apart from that family dynamic, apart from its earnestness, I found it just pretty bland outside of it. You mentioned the the uh, final action set piece. And like you said, it's just the same as every other superhero movie. It's Iron Man 2, 20 years. Yeah. yeah. It's every other movie ever made, at which point we've now had how many dozens? Like, if you're going to make something like this, you really need to have a reason to make it and not just like, and here's another one. I, I just really getting disappointed with the diminishing returns. Well, I do appreciate the Hispanic representation, you know, and that yes. that identity, that was one other thing I wanted to mention. That identity plays into the content of the movie, like the heart of it, um, because there's a lot about, uh, there's like there's a through line about losing your identity through um, the people in power and having to gain your identity back through your own actions. Um and it being a problem that you have to basically steal your identity back and fight for it because you should just be in ownership of your own identity and who you are, but people take advantage of it and they co-opt it and use it for their own gains. So I think that's all really interesting and that's well done uh, to a certain extent, but like at the same time, it's bland. And you you guys have mentioned Spider-Man a couple of times. I was feeling the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Um I was feeling that mixed with Iron Man and it, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It feels like this yeah. movie would have worked well in the early two thousands and not in the early 2020s. There's definitely a couple of character scenes you know, where they're just talking to one another. Definitely reminded me of Sam Raimi, Spider-Man, the sort of emotion, yeah. Yeah. you know, beats in those scenes. I think if you've only seen like two superhero movies in your life, <laughs> you'll probably enjoy this movie as a standard that's, film. That's one hundred percent okay. It's just I can't. I I think you're hard pressed to find anybody at that this point that has. So right. Uh, I just sort of had a question. Did we ever find mm-hmm. out why the Scarab chose him? Because nothing that's really sort of happened to make it go into him. It just sort of happens. Was it just they proximity? It, they said the uh, the the Scarab chooses you. Yeah, but, but why? That's, that's all they said. Yeah. Um, it's chosen you. Okay, why? Yeah. I think the... I, I got the impression that they were implying that Ted Cord had programmed it somehow to only pick someone who was good because there was that brief moment where um, he was about to uh, maybe be a, a killer in the middle of the movie and the suit was like, but you are not a killer. And then, and so I was like, oh, is there, are we going somewhere with this? Is that like, that's why he was chosen. But then later on, the the suit is just like, okay, let's do this. And so I don't know. Oh, I also really disliked how at the very end with the villain, he was about to, well, I don't want to spoil that. If you've seen it, he was about to do something that a hero shouldn't do. 
and he had to be reminded by he they had to show him the the trouble and heartache that this villain went through and why he shouldn't do what he shouldn't do and i'm like a hero wouldn't need to be reminded of that and i don't think it was a very strong character moment because mm. he just like it was too far over the line like i just and the movie didn't build anything with jaime to to have really earned that moment i think it was a little cheap at the end yeah you right know, like, you mentioned a couple of times both of you that it's we don't know a lot about him outside that he just graduated he's looking for a job he has a crush and he yeah. has a family or does he have a crush on the potential of a job who knows it's a little bit of both um <laughs> yeah yeah there's not a and, lot uh, of backstory right and then that's that's about it we don't even like need too much backstory to me it's just like Give us some more character moments. Let him do a couple things. Let him save the cat. Let us know a little bit about him. Does he want to kill? Does he want to be good? Don't really know. His bedroom wasn't even like an orgy of evidence that he was like a teenage boy that lived there. Like <laughs> right. it could have been anybody's room. <laughs> um, we have a criminal underuse of Harvey Guillen. Uh, why are you going to throw him in there just to be a henchman? If you've seen what we do in the shadows, you know how amazing he is. And he's just a guy in this. And I'm very disappointed. Let's move on <laughs> to Gran Turismo, the one movie I was unable to see because of the extenuating circumstances. Um, so I'm going to let you guys talk about it after I read the synopsis. Gran Turismo, I think its its title right now is Gran Turismo colon based on a true story. Uh, so the synopsis reads, based on the unbelievable, inspiring true story of a team of underdogs, a struggling working-class gamer, a failed former race car driver, and an idealistic motorsport exec who risk it all to take on the most elite sport in the world. So yeah, John, what did you think of Gran Turismo based on a true story? Um, I'm going to go with low side of liked it, I think. I, right in the middle, liked it. All right, go for it. Have at it. Talk about it. Okay, well, it's interesting you say that the full title is based on a true story <laughs> because I don't think that was in any of the publicity for it that I saw. Because uh, oh. I like to go into films uh, like knowing as little as possible. So I actually sure. went into this thinking that it was like a typical sort of video game movie of like it's uh, okay. it's based on the actual events in the game, which I've actually never played. So I don't know if there's any much of a story to those games or any or if they're just typical sort of racing games. So when no I started idea. watching, I was actually quite intrigued it's like oh this is about the guy a guy that played the game rather than like it doesn't take place in the game itself like that's uh, sort of an interesting sort of take on um the idea of video game movies if you can even call this a video game movie it's uh, if it's mm -hmm. a true story uh so I, I definitely was into like that as an idea um but it was sort of like a lot of the stuff i could spot i was like well this this obviously couldn't have happened in real life uh, that character can't possibly have existed in real life that can't possibly have happened. And then, like, uh, Nick was talking to me just last night about a lot of the stuff that they changed or they moved around and everything. It's like, why, why would you make those sort of changes? So, like, as, as a movie on its own, if you don't know much about it, actually, I think it's it's quite a good experience. It's, it's basically the Rocky story, like a sort of rags to riches type story, and, it, mm. as, and it's, it's fine and everything. Uh, and it's kind of a very sort of interesting idea of, you know, if you played the game, like, in a really accurate sort of simulator, just could you actually do it in real life? And I, I guess that they've shown that, the, that you actually can do that. That's, that's a really sort of interesting idea for a video game movie, I think. But uh, I actually think it, I would have enjoyed it a lot more and I would have had a lot more respect for it 
if it was just a more faithful adaptation of reality, like the, the stuff that they've changed and the stuff they added in to make it more just like a sort of generic sort of rags to riches sports movie like Rocky or something, it kind of annoys me. And I actually think it would have been more interesting if it was shown through the eyes of the guy that created Gran Turismo and created these simulators and then just sort of said, could we create actual motor racing drive? Like, um, the comparison I was thinking of is uh, like Air from earlier this year of like a, a movie mm-hmm. where somebody just sort of thinks to themselves in like their office one day, hey, what if we did this? So like if, if we'd see if there'd been a scene like early on of the guy like working at Gran Turismo thinking, what if we could get, create actual motor racing drivers from these games? But instead, it's shown through the eyes of just a guy that played the game and his rise to fame. And so, yeah, I, I liked it as an experience overall, but I think actually I could have enjoyed it a lot more if it had just gone in a different direction in who it was actually about and uh they didn't change quite so much from uh the true story yeah i uh i i agree with pretty much everything you said there i don't, don't know why though for some reason i just i came out of it going all right i i had fun with that and i i didn't know a lot about it either going in my buddy he he's a huge racing guy he actually did the like simulator racing he does he does like events mm-hmm. and stuff like that online um oh. so like this is like he, his bread and butter he was super excited to see this we saw it like two weeks ago at, at like an early screening and um it was it was one of those things where we had seen that trailer a hundred times since yeah. april like yeah. i was so ready for this movie to be just the biggest dumpster fire of a movie ever because it just sounded and looked so stupid and so, like, I really came out of it enjoying the entire experience, even though he's sitting here and he's going, that cr- that crash happened two years after the Le Mans race. That didn't happen. Yeah. That didn't happen. And he, he liked it, too. He wasn't bugged by those things. He just thought it was weird that they changed the story also, that the based on a true story is really doing some heavy lifting in that uh, based is the very strong word there. I just... It, <laughs> Inspired by inspired maybe. by yeah it might be a better word i don't that know the term I've, I've noticed they're using a lot more now with, with these kinds of movies they're, they're saying oh, inspired yeah. by now rather than based on it's just weird that they would they would change it or i mean i get why after reading the true story it's like because it sounds like this isn't a very cinematic story you you want to tell a story that's going to get people excited and fist pumping at the end and other than a few minor quibbles that i have like he he finishes every race with a photo finish it's like guys every single one <laughs> like, I, feel like I feel like maybe if he's finishing a race he he can do it by a mile it's okay you can let us know that he won by like oh yeah and the second guy he was like way behind him it was <laughs> it was just so funny like it's like another photo finish crazy i'm kind of interested in like how accurate these simulators that they drive in like are because like Dave Harbour's character actually talks about, you know, how you can't, you can't simulate the G-force or, like, the fear that they probably feel if they're going to have a crash or something. Because, obviously, you know, if you have a crash in a game, you know, it doesn't really matter. I wish they'd gone into that a little bit more, really. Um, yeah, but... I, honestly, I think that was maybe the one true thing about the movie. Because I've played Gran Turismo, never in a simulator, but, like, people I know who have, they they all think it's like the best racing game ever made and i think maybe forza horizon might be one of the only close comparisons but uh but yeah gran turismo is is like supposed to be the top dog oh yeah it is it is definitely i've never actually played them i think i may have played the first game like once when you know back on like the ps1 when it was just a case of like hit x to accelerate and hit square to break that's all the controls you needed really 
Uh, so yeah, I haven't played like super realistic versions of Gran Turismo. So I don't know what they're like, but I, I'm interested to play like one of the simulators if I can at some point now, just after seeing this film. Uh, it, it just you really has me become a gamer to racer. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it really has me torn really because I, I enjoyed the movie for what it was and everything. Um, but I just kind of wish it was a different movie, really. I wish they'd focused on different ideas or aspects from it. And well, uh, both of you guys said that you liked it. Like what parts specifically stood out? What parts did you grapple onto and think, hey, this is really good? Or... Uh, the racing se- sequences okay. were really fun, I thought. Um, they, they looked quite realistic as well, I thought. Uh, you know, e- even the um, the crash, you know, the, the effects for that uh, looked uh, pretty good, I thought. I agree. Really... Yeah, every bit of the racing was fun. There were a few moments where it was a little choppy with, you know, the editing, but like it was very exhilarating. And um, I really, I really liked Blomkamp's style where like he would get in there and you'd see him racing in the car. And then all of a sudden, like the, the video game components would come around him and he'd be sitting in front of his computer or like yeah, he'd yeah, be in front of his sequence. computer and then like and then it would turn into the car. It was me being like so ignorant of cars, but like there was a few moments where they did stuff like that where you would see like the inner workings of the car and like a normal movie would be doing it to indicate, oh no, there's a problem. There's something wrong with that that twirly thing inside the engine. <laughs> but like I was so I, I had a little bit of, of a few moments where I was like, oh, no, should I be worried? And I don't know if that was just to amp the tension. Um, my buddy looked at me. He's like, no, everything's fine. There's just that's just the movie. <laughs> and I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> but the uh, there was a few times where that tricked me a bit. But other than that, I like you. It really was adrenaline filling. And and I just I like the character. He was like you. You wanted to see him succeed because like he was so passionate about it. And I, I think I, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Jaiman Hansu in this. He he gets a really small role as the dad, but like he has I, it I as in every movie, he makes so much of the little bit that he's given, and he's just he's super endearing. And like I teared up a few times. The interactions that they had between him and his dad just they really got to me, and I was like, oh my god, I love him. He's so great. <laughs> so like it's uh, there's there's a lot of little things to really get you through the entire movie to come out positive you've just reminded me of another positive i had i, I absolutely loved his relationship with his dad i, I wish they had more scenes because he does sort of the dad disappears from the film for a large part of it yeah he and does, then he like, comes right back the near the end like where was where was this in like the, the second act you know I, I wanted more of this and uh i i like that uh they they added like a little bit of a background that he was involved in sports as well a, a little bit. So uh, his dad sort of knows what he's talking about when he's saying, "Oh, no, you you can't do this. You know, you've you've got to study. You've got to be, you've got to pursue an actual career. You can't just be racing around on video games." Yeah, uh, so yeah, yeah, that was really good. When 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 the accident happens and they just show it from Jaiman Hansu and the the mom's perspective, like that was a gripping scene. Watching them react. Like their performances were just so authentic to me. Like that's pretty much what a parent, what parents would do if they watched their son crash a car on TV. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was gut punch that uh, I wasn't expecting the movie to deliver. Uh, there's been a bit of criticism, I think, of, of the crash, not because it didn't happen, but because it happened at a different time in his career or yeah. something. Uh, I, I don't really know what else they could have done there, really. I mean, you have to have an ending to your movie and if the crash happened after the actual sort of more logical spot to end it, you know, then you kind of have to move it 
forward a little bit in time, I think. If you want to yeah, have, they, they, I read an article where they said that they they were that was that was something that they had to face, but like apparently it was like a not a, so much a career defining moment for him, but like it was something that happened that they felt would be disingenuous to leave out because of how important it was yeah, overall. If, if it's to real, definitely include the, the racer. Yeah, like he he didn't want to leave it out of the movie because you know it really affected him. Per, I can see why. That was a great scene. I think it re- it really got across just how terrifying that would be that sort of crash to happen because yeah, oh it's not God. just your normal um, motor racing crash either. It's it's really horrible just the way that it happens. Well, through all this, I was already interested in seeing this. Like I said, it was just outside circumstances that forced me to not be able to see it. Um, I'm still going to check this out, even not for the purposes of reviewing it on a podcast. I mean, I'll I'll watch a lot of garbage to see a lord of the rings actor and orlando bloom is in there so uh, <laughs> oh we didn't if, even if mention orlando saying, bloom, did we? yeah orlando yeah. bloom is in there sort of even even if he's I in there for a couple minutes I've seen stuff. i i had an issue with how they used him in the movie because it, it felt like he he would pop in and out just to be like a tension builder i would say maybe his role was one of my least favorites because he, he it wasn't was so real clear either, they were just using him silly what was that, John? Did you say he wasn't real? Um, oh yeah, yeah. You know. He was. He was based on a true person. Like the, but like I think originally they said that the guy who came up with the idea just did that, and then that was it. He was not really involved afterwards. Like it wasn't yeah, like true. his brainchild that he saw through to the end, and then became an antagonist towards because of money and power. Like yeah, he, he becomes weird. a sort of businessman, mustache twirling. Yeah, oh, got to do, the, do the thing that we makes the most money, sort of thing towards the end. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, oh, we you, you should say the other kid won because he's so much better on camera. Like, I just didn't, like, he, he had little moments like that yeah. throughout, and I was just like, oh, man, come on. Orlando Bloom was doing, but he was doing an actual performance. Like, I, I think this is probably one of his best performances. I just okay. didn't like his character. <laughs> sure. Fair enough. The, the whole cast actually do a great job, I think. I, I, I can't oh, yeah. think a bad performance in there. Oh, 100% agree. They They were all really, really good. Well, funny enough, you guys are really selling me on this. Um, oh, I would recommend any... it. Yeah, definitely go check it out. Yeah, Let's move on to The Last Voyage of the Demeter. A crew sailing from Carpathia to England find that they are carrying very dangerous cargo. Um, I'll start off with this real quick and say I thought... I'll just say it was okay. I was considering high side, but I'll just say it was okay. Nick, uh, where did you land? I'm the same smack dab in the middle of it was fine. <laughs> John, I did not see it because it is not oh, have a okay. release date in this country yet. Gotcha. Um, so we'll do what you guys just did and kind of go back and forth for a few minutes. <laughs> I'm just laughing about that IMDb synopsis I just read. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it says carrying very, very dangerous cargo. And the movie itself kind of tries to hide what the very dangerous cargo is. It's so weird, right? Like, I'm like, they, seen a single is this trailer. not a vampire movie? <laughs> like, like, right. <laughs> it's Dracula. I, I right? don't feel, I feel perfectly movie. comfortable spoiling it. It's not a spoiler. It's it, it literally says at the beginning of the movie, in writing, on the screen, taken from Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> I was like, then why is the movie trying to hide what it is? Like, 
I, I think that's the biggest failing of the movie is that they did not lean into the concept, especially. And now this is probably just me because I just watched uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula for. Oh, that's right. The, the writer's room. And yeah. I was I was kind of pumped to see this because of seeing that movie. And I feel like they should have like leaned into it, like in a world of cinematic universes get gary oldman to be your vampire and suddenly this movie is 10 times better who's the guy who does um the fish man and in, in uh oh Doug jones yeah and what's the movie called shape of water shape yeah of like water. they could have done something like that he was pan's labyrinth also like instead it's just he, he have you seen what we do in the shadows the movie yeah, yeah. He looks like it. Peter. He looks like he Peter. Did, he did look like Peter. Oh my god! Like that's all I was thinking of. I, I'm, I just, I. It blows me away. Like the, if it's Dracula, we know Dracula to be more of a a person vampire. Why not lean into that? Make him more less bestial and more, more people like, and make him an actual character. Like, don't just have him hiding in the shadows. What we do in the shadows, <laughs> it's uh, not. It's not. It. It just was so bland. Like it's one of the most beautifully shot movies. I like. Yeah. I was really into the the world that they're creating. This boat, the way that everything looks, like the Demeter itself as a character in the movie. Like so much care was clearly put into the set design and just the just everything around it. It's just the basic premise of the movie is completely meh like it was fine yeah. it was truly one of the movies of all time but like that was it like that's the best thing i could say about it well you're right so a couple of things to respond to there you're right it has a great atmosphere i love it um you mentioned the cinematography the set design of the boat um i love like the the shallow depth of field and the super close-ups on a lot of the faces um bear mccreary does the score and Love or hate Ring of pa- uh, Rings of Power, you have to admit his score is amazing. Um, I think that's like the one thing that everyone can agree on, whether you hate or love the show. Or um, <laughs> so, like I said, there's a great atmosphere, um, and I'm with you. I wish that they kind of did more with Dracula, though. I'm a little bit more on board than you are with the idea of making him a little bestial. So I think that could work, but. This movie is, what, how long? It was only like an hour and a half. It was a short one, which yeah. I appreciated. Oh, it's it's an hour 58. Um, oh, was it? Oh, wow. Yeah, apparently. That's what it said. I enjoyed it more than you thought. It flew yeah. by. <laughs> Pun intended. I said I loved it. <laughs> yeah. um, but they spend, man, it feels like three quarters of the movie trying to figure out what is going on. Yeah. And... I'm like I said, I'm okay with making a little bit of a different interpretation of Dracula because whether it's Gary Oldman or whether it's Adam Sandler, there's still similar aesthetics where he's like a person character. So if you want to go in a different direction for some uh, for a character that, you know, everyone knows before you've even like watched a movie or read a book, you just know of the idea of Dracula. You know, it's one of those things. Um, If you want to do a little bit of a different interpretation, that's fine. But they just make it so that it's a monster movie where they don't show the monster mm-hmm. and that and then they don't do a good really job with work. the tension building either like right 
because there are so many characters. I I wrote in my review that we have all right. We got Davos from Game of Thrones. We got Woody Norman from Come On, Come On. Uh, we have the guy from Straight Outta Compton. We have the woman. I can't remember her name. And then there's like between two and six other characters who I'm supposed to care about to a certain, certain extent. Yeah. Oh, and David uh, Dastelmachian. Um, he's in there too. Oh the yeah, beard. he was so good in that. <laughs> I have to say, right. like he really was doing a character there, and I really appreciated that. But like, he's doing a character, but I don't really care about him. You know, yeah. they have too many characters, and they all feel like red shirts, even even though some of them are named and you recognize the faces. Mm-hmm. If it's like th- this isn't fair. I-, I acknowledge right now it's not fair. You're doing Jaws, the movie where you almost never see the monster and then it's there. Like you care about those characters. At mm-hmm. least do the bare minimum of making me care. Like in movies and in books and shows, it's always like there's a dog. I don't want it to die. I don't want it to be in trouble. It's the same for me with kids because there's this there's a similar level of innocence to them. And I think that's kind of the the baseline buy-in with that sort of thing where you want them to be safe because they don't, they can't really comprehend on the same level as an adult could. Yeah, I agree. I, I, but guess, like, is it, is it a spoiler to say what happens here? Because it was in the trailer and I feel like it's not a spoiler. Like I was, I forgot it was in the trailer and I rewatched the trailer. I was like, they put that in the trailer. What are we doing? Well, everything in trailers now. I know, but yeah. like that part was, I'm so glad I forgot it was in the trailer because when it happened in the movie, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. They went there and that kind of put it, gave it a few extra points in my book, but like. To a, right, to a certain extent. Yeah, and exactly. To an extent. All I'm trying to say there is that like, that's the one character I really cared about because it's like, oh, it's a kid. I want him to be okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, but well, beyond and, that, and like, he's really good. Yeah. And I know Foster mentioned it when you on that episode that you guys did with the Dracula episode where uh, you did kid performances where mm-hmm. he was surprised that he's British uh, based yeah. on come on, come on. <laughs> and it's like, oh, hey, here he is he's, being with his natural he's, accent. He's super British, yeah. No, he's, he's really good really good it blows me away foster was right that kid is impressive with his abilities and i kids have such a pro uh, a not a problem but there's a really fine line that they walk with their with with kid actors mm. because they have the ability to completely tank whatever movie they're in just based on a few factors and sometimes outside of their control like Adults don't really write kids great sometimes, and so the right. kids just have to act that way. But, like, he, I I never for a second thought, like, oh, this kid's going to tank this movie. Like, he, he really kind of held up the movie for a large yeah. portion of it because <laughs> you really did care about him. And it was more than just because he was a kid, for me at least. It was because he sure. actually built a character that that was kind of endearing, like his concern for the animals, like... Like this kid feels responsibility. Yeah, kids and animals, man. But like he shows, he shows the most amount of empathy of the crew outside of the uh, the main our main character, who I also really liked. Um, Mm -hmm. But like he, the the kid was the one that really felt like 
Like, oh, I I would I really can't wait to see what 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 this kid maybe this kid grows up to be a vampire hunter. <laughs> so well. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Corey Hawkins is also solid. Like I'll give both of them that they're solid because they elevate the material yeah. because the material is not great to begin with. Um, but I, all, all of that being said, I really do kind of like the ultimate message or at least what I took the ultimate message to be where it's that death and evil are going to follow you wherever. And there's not really anything you can do about it except just wait for it to come get you at a certain point. And I think it's really dark <laughs> and really gnarly, and really twisted. Yeah. And grim. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I mean, what honestly, does he say in the movie? The the main guy, he said, like, he's looking, he's searching this world for, like, a bit of good or something like that. And, like, that really, that really hits when he, he yeah. has his realization at the end that, like, nope. <laughs> and that's right. kind of dreary. I just really respect movies when they decide to go to certain places. You know, like, not everything really needs to have a hopeful ending or not everything needs to say something uh, yeah. optimistic about the world. So like, if this is what this filmmaker believes, just go for it and execute your, your uh, vision. And I think that part at least works really well. Yeah, I, I'll agree with you there. Um, I think my biggest disappointment was how very much I loved the ending to this movie. And then it <laughs> ends. And I'm like, no, I could sit through this for another hour. But like, sure. It's like, I guess the, the boat sank, so it's over. <laughs> um, it was fine. If you like creepy, slow-ish kind of movies with a couple interesting characters and, and a monster, go go see it. If not... Slow, uh, but not necessarily deliberate. I think there's a difference. I yeah, don't think this one's yeah, deliberate. I just think it's no. slow and boring. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make womp, that my womp. final thought. Yeah, too bad. Um, now let's, let's talk about something completely different. Womp womp. <laughs> um, let's let's talk about a movie where you do see the monster. Meg to the trench. A research do you? team encounters. Well, we'll get to that. A research team encounters multiple threats while exploring the depths of the ocean, including a malevolent mining operation. Right now that you say that, I'll, I'll let you guys go first. <laughs> John, what did you think let's, of Let's Meg give John too? a chance. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like it. Okay. Nick? Oh, well, I guess I'm going to be the one who must have loved this movie because he saw it twice. But uh, <laughs> I also did not like it. <laughs> Guys, I'm going to go. I hated I hated Meg to the Trench. Oh, wow. Nice. I will admit, I was not in a good mood already that day. And this was the one that I mentioned at the top that I was like, I have no interest in Meg to the trench. And I put off seeing it for so long. And when I finally went to see it, it like starts off so boring. And there are a couple of good moments, like a couple good moments. I wrote the three good moments. Down. <laughs> um, I don't think I can think of any, to be honest. He kicks a guy into a shark. He fights a shark with spears. And there's a, sh a cool shot from inside the shark's mouth while it's eating dozens of people. I thought that was solid. 
So what you're saying to me is if I skip the first hour and a half of this movie and show up just for the last 15 minutes, I will see the three best parts of this movie. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I think I said that to a friend, almost exactly that to a friend of mine. Um, Come into this movie about an hour and a half in and you'll probably enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's a great short film. I'm not even sure I'd say that. I mean, it's basically the first film again that last half hour. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, oh my God. It was almost exactly the same. And yeah. it didn't even have the courage to end with the fin that they did in the first movie that I appreciated so oh. very much. Yeah. But the, the whole, the whole movie was so boring. And it was like, mm-hmm. it was like, what would happen if you gave a rich billionaire tycoon from like another country, uh, the rights to a mega, blockbuster movie and then didn't say no to him for anything like that's what it felt like like it was very bowfinger-esque in the sense that how did this movie get made like <laughs> it's so weird to me that why the first did it was actually kind made? of fun yeah well yeah, to, to a we already fun. have the meg we don't need another one there's a whole series of books apparently yeah well, um, jason did a whole oh, yeah, comparison book, for the site yeah, apparently the books are a bit more technical and a bit more horror based in this one. You cast it's all Jason a bit based on the book, or is it just the first like hour and a half? I think I think the whole thing. I think there are sequels to the books. Oh, yeah, cool. I've, I believe there are a lot of books, and I believe that well, everyone who's a lot of books, read yeah. them have said like the books are so much better. Like they're they they don't really get what the books are in these movies, but the. Uh, I think overall, I think it's more of like a, it follows the Jason Statham character around and like it's more like completely from his perspective kind of deals. But I, I'm not 100 percent on that. Yeah, I have to say, I, I was actually kind of into the idea of like where this movie starts with them walking around that trench and, uh, you know, like in the abyss, because uh, I've actually been playing uh, Subnautica over the last like year or so. And uh, it reminded me a lot of that and the, the sort of atmosphere of being at the bottom of the ocean and um, mm. not being able to see very much and sort of not knowing what anything is or what any kind of sound might mean. that That's kind of intriguing to me. It's kind of creepy. Yeah. But they just do nothing with it. It's just super oh, yeah. boring. Like a couple of characters right die. I don't even know who they were. They, they right, call it the, the trench and it's not featuring the trench. Like they get to the trench and that should have been the movie. Like the journey from the crash site to the ship should have been the movie. And didn't that and happen trend, really quickly? It, it's over. It's over in like five minutes. There's yeah. one off-screen death, and then a big action scene at the end of the thing that is completely cut to death. That you can't tell who is who or what's going on, and why do I care about these people? Because I just met them and didn't spend any time with them, and it just it was so yeah. so wasteful. Like you you could have done more, and then this movie had such a I don't want to say that because it's a little inappropriate it was so very <laughs> it was it was so very obsessed with with uh, paying homage I guess to other movies like I was like counting like do a shot every time it does a like it did oh that's Deep Blue Sea oh that's Jurassic Park mm. oh there's the Predator line like it's just every oh. five minutes they're trying to like Hey, remember those better movies? And I don't know why it kept doing that because I just would rather be watching those. Trying to trick your brain. Right? Yeah, 
it was actually bugging me um the whole time I was watching the rest of the film. It's like, have two people died or just just one? I can't even tell because I can barely see anything, yeah. and I didn't even know who those people those people were. The, so I, many I think fake someone outs. dies as they're going towards like the safe house, and then there's some someone else that dies when they get there. But I have no idea who they were, and uh, I, I have no them. reason to care <laughs> uh, about who they were because you know we didn't really know them. Right, you don't know anyone except for Jason Statham and the stepdaughter, not stepdaughter, who's like. He's her guardian, but not actually yeah. legal or anything like that. Whatever it actually is. <laughs> I don't know the arrangement there because the movie doesn't care to tell you. Nope, it does not. I completely forgot. I was like, did the mom die in the last movie? And apparently I was no. going to ask. So she, she died die in screen? between movies. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> that was bugging me. Apparently the actress did not want to come back. <laughs> that's what it was. Oh, dear. That's I don't know. I'm guessing that's what it was. Okay, okay. I don't understand why you write her out otherwise. Just to give it some emotional core, I guess. Um, another point that uh, annoyed me. Um, this is maybe mm-hmm. kind of spoilery, uh, so I'm going to try and describe this in a sort of spoiler-free way. Uh, there's a particular line where a villainous character sort of says, "You know, oh, they they can't get to us because you know this this is Meg proof," and then something mm. happens that makes it quite clear that it is not Meg proof at all. <laughs> Like literally two seconds later, it's like, well, why? Why would you have them say that? <laughs> I I typically enjoy moments. I far be it for me to defend this movie, but I typically enjoy moments like that in movies where it's like, oh, they can't get in here, and then they get in there. You know what I mean? I think well, that, it's yeah. usually... at the same time, it's sort of like comedic almost. Is, was that was it yeah. like a joke? I think so, but the I movie has say trouble yes. with its tone. Like it doesn't it really know, doesn't it wants know to what be it campy. wants to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that part right after that though, where the guy is like crying and she's like, Are you crying? Like that was probably the best part of the movie. Like, cause <laughs> what you're like, are we supposed to care? Like, I don't get it. We're not we don't like those characters. So <laughs> I don't think we should. <laughs> no, we're not supposed to. I don't I don't think at least. I'm laughing like the bad guy. He's like got such a he's got it out for Jason Statham as Jason Statham is being chased by a giant shark. He's like, not today, (laughs) shark. I'm going to be the one that gets him. It's like, just let the shark do it. And if he doesn't do it, then you go and try. Like, don't don't try and get in the shark's way, you idiot. (laughs) We have a bad guy problem this year with movies. We have or not a problem, but trying to be better than the actual bad guy. My favorite (laughs) villain this year is Mads Mikkelsen, who think. Who thinks Hitler didn't go far enough? And he didn't it didn't go far enough. <laughs> <laughs> and so. apparently has a face made of titanium. <laughs> right. And this guy didn't let just the shark eat Jason Statham uh, because he needed to kill him. So I started off by saying you do see the Meg. And I was totally wrong because I remember thinking during the movie, I was like. So I know both of you guys like the Wizarding World, the Harry Potter movies. If you've seen the Fantastic Beasts uh, posters and like blu-ray covers it slowly changes size from like the first one fantastic beast is in really big text <laughs> and where to find them is in small and then by the third one it's like fantastic beast is in uh really small text and the secrets of dumbledore is in huge text this one the same thing at the very beginning when the opening title card it's like meg to the trench um so it like forgets <laughs> that it's about the meg and there's a lot of trench talk but it's like there's not much Meg. I was thinking about Fantastic Beasts for all of all things during this movie because of how poorly it like remembers what it's supposed to be about. 
And if a movie makes you think of Fantastic Beasts, that's a really <laughs> yeah, that's bad, a bad thing. comparison to have. <laughs> it's like you guys, you don't want us thinking about those those movies, please. So I just needed more Meg. You're right. The last 15 minutes were okay. There was some interesting yeah, yeah, shots. Were. There were some fun things. The rest of it was god awful. I, I don't Agreed. even know if I can get behind the last like 15 minutes or so because I saw it in the first movie. I mean, I, I should just say the context in the trailer. I, I watched the first mm-hmm. Meg like um just before I saw the, the sequel because I hadn't seen it before. I thought, you know, I better Me get too. myself up to speed and know exactly what this is about. So I'd just seen all of that like uh, a week or so before I went to see this new film. So I didn't want, I wasn't interested in seeing it again, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I think that's, I think that's what we have for Meg 2. None of us liked it. It's, <laughs> there's nothing interesting in it. Jason Statham, I, I think he's only really good when he's with Guy Ritchie. Maybe a little bit in the Fast Agreed. and Furious movies, but like he he's just Jason Statham. Let's move on. The movie Teenage was bad Mutant. and they should feel bad. <laughs> this is one case where I will say that sometimes I'm I'm like the movie was bad, but people made it. Maybe it's just not for me. Nope, this no. no this it was bad and you should movie. feel bad for making it. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mutant Mayhem follows the Turtle Brothers as they work to earn the love of New York City while facing down an army of mutants. That is a bad synopsis. That's every single Ninja Turtles movie. Um, Nick, I'm going to let you go first based on your shirt, which since this is an audio (laughs) podcast, it says Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and all of their faces are on your t-shirt. So what did you think of this movie? Um, well, this is the first time I've ever heard of this Teenage Mutant. No, I loved it. I I absolutely loved this movie. The first time you heard of it and you loved the movie so yeah. much, you went out and bought a shirt. Right out the gate. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, old school John, t-shirt what did you well. think? Yeah, it is an old school. I like it. it. it well, you know, it's funny. I my My kids really have gotten into, like... It's been turtle mayhem in this house since like the end of July. My kids mm-hmm. saw the trailer and just fell in love with it. Started watching all the cartoons that were available to them, and really There's are a bunch, into aren't that. There? there are. Um, funny enough, <laughs> this one, the original, not available. Although I heard that it is coming to streaming soon. But okay. um, they watched the 2012 series, which is my personal favorite. They they got in. They really got into that new Rise one that had a couple seasons in a movie. Um, finding merchandise for those properties, very hard to do because my daughter wants a couple shirts and characters and they don't really seem to make it. Everything is classic turtles with the, the eighties look. So interesting. It was actually pretty easy to find this one. My old one is like falling apart, but, uh, but yeah, uh, I, I really love the turtles because they just, I grew up with them. They were exactly my age demographic they became big and popular they were a giant toy commercial every saturday morning that i owned all the toys for so i could mm-hmm. this was uh this one had a high bar to clear like i have not sure. liked a lot i haven't really liked a turtle movie since 1991 so it's it's it was really i was really hesitant going into it fair enough john what did you think of it uh i liked it um i think it, this is probably the same as Nick, probably my favorite Turtles movie since the original uh, live action one. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's probably the only one that I would go as far to say that I liked since the one in the 90s. Since we're not doing this topic on the podcast, I'm not really going to get into it, but I do like the first one with Megan Fox. I think it's solid. 
Um, and I know <laughs> your feelings, Nick, so we're going to move on from that statement. Um, I definitely like Mutant Mayhem more than that. And I'll probably agree that it's maybe best since that one. Different than liked, of course. Um, yeah, Nick, I, I'd, maybe I'll just let you have the floor a little bit more because you gave your background. Just start singing its praises. What did you love about this one? I I just, well, first off, I think this is something we'll probably all like. The animation, I thought, was just yeah. so unique and fun. And I'm, I'm, it's weird because I'm normally the kind of guy that likes the more crisp and clean animated looks where, like, I really like that uh, more like an anime style of the way the characters uh, would appear. But the gritty, like, weird-faced human people, like, didn't bother me this time because I think what it did was it it showed that the humans were the weird ones and the turtles looked normal. Like to me, the Mm. turtles looked right and the humans looked wrong. And I think that was very intentional. And I really just also love the uh, just overall, just the aesthetic, how it almost kind of looked like crayons on a, on a page. Like someone was scribbling out these, this art. Yeah. I I like that animation can take that risk now. Um, But all, mostly it's these characters the the they they really nailed the four turtles um it was interesting to see them finally be kids like they're teenagers they're not the first time they've ever been males. teenagers yeah, yeah yeah they keep telling us they're teenage mutant ninja turtles in the title 30 to 40 year old men to voice them and they make them look like they're older like it's just it's so refreshing like they actually felt like teens they talked like teens especially like, like kids today like there were some moments where if I wasn't as up on my young kid lingo, I might not have understood what the hell they were talking about. But like, I got it for the most part. And, you know, like I just took the kids to see it on Sunday again. And uh, the second time around, I came out of it like Jackie Chan is like the unsung hero of this movie. Oh, like, 100%. Splinter is so funny in this movie throughout. Like he has some of the best lines and the first time I didn't really even notice it. Like I, I came away thinking that I loved his fight scene where they use the chair and the, the office equipment to, to fight like Jackie Chan would in his, his movies. But like, mm-hmm. that was the most I came out of it on the first view. But like the second time I was just like, Oh my God, every time Jackie Chan is on screen, he is just owning the entire scene. And it's just so freaking funny. Like here, I'm Chris. I'm the best Chris. Like I love <laughs> those little moments like that where he was just, he had little lines that just made you laugh and go, Oh, he's so wonderful. Oh, I completely agree. Jackie Chan is my favorite part of the movie too. Um, and like you said, the animation is great. Um, John, I'll probably throw it over to you. See if you have any more positives because I have just like all the general positives, but there are a few things that kind of bugged me and kept me down. So John, I'll throw it over to you instead. Well, obviously the main positive has to be the animation. Absolutely love mm-hmm. this uh, sort of style and the, the way, the ways that they uh, illustrate the turtles, you know, it's a sort of design I've not seen before and they don't just sort of act like teenagers. They look like teenagers as well. That, that, that's the other thing yeah. I love about it. Um, I don't know if that animation style has a, a name or anything. I th- everybody's calling it the Into the Spider-Verse animation. Though. Yeah. I don't know if there's an actual yeah. name for it or anything. Um, but the the other great thing I loved about it was uh, Ice Cube, uh, his, his character in this. I, I, I love his design as well, to start with. But also his performance. 
I was like, I, I didn't look up the cast before I saw it, but as, as soon as that guy just starts talking, like, who is that? He is yeah. really compelling, you know, with that voice. It's funny. Um, and also April. Um, I forgot, again, I can't remember the actress's name, but she's uh, Sydney. Iowa and Debris. There. Yeah. Um, again, her design, she, it's not a design of April that we've ever seen before. Uh, April's always like just been like this sort of glamorous sort of like girl. Like she's been a teenager in the past, but she, she's been more like sort of your typical sort of teenage girl. But here she's more sort of like a loser. Well, she is a loser. She's a puke girl, as they call her. <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever seen her before uh, portrayed like that. So again, that very different sort of take on the, the idea of some of the characters in the turtles, you know, doing something different with uh, something that's had like tons of versions before. It's just really interesting to me. Um, and that animation I could just, I could just watch all day. I I lost, lost me a little bit in the, uh, the action sequences. I'm not quite sure what it was about it. It just didn't look quite right um, at times, but um, outside of that, just, just loving the, the sort of look and feel of the whole thing. And, uh, the, the whole cast, the, the dynamics between the, the characters as well, that's a sort of like slightly sort of teenager, not quite sort of completely clean dialogue uh, is just really compelling, I thought. Yeah, just well, apparently a... they had the four actors for the Turtles like in the booth together, so they were actually playing off each other, which oh, so it, you it's can tell. A bit of improv. Yeah, 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 it's great. Yeah, they, they uh, were really I, good I love together. the dynamic between them. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I'm glad you brought up April because... Uh, I think she fits into the overall theme well of loneliness. And you get that with the turtles and a lot of the stuff I watched. There's a show during the two thousands or something. Wasn't there? Um, yes. That's the one that I watched some of, the you know, I one, wasn't a two, huge fan. three, four teenage mutant ninja turtles. <laughs> that's, you know what? I wouldn't have thought of that, but that's it. <laughs> um, I remember I have... that one bit because we saw it on Paramount plus and I'm looking at it and I just went, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and then I turned it on, and I'm like, "That was it." <laughs> I think that's one version I haven't seen. I've seen the okay. um, the Nickelodeon one from a few years ago, and I, I obviously I saw the cartoon growing up. Uh, the the four turtles together were great. I I think the one big con for the movie though was the on the reverse side, the other mutants. They they weren't yeah. as meshed as a team. And they kind of just felt like an afterthought. And I was really disappointed that they crammed so many of them in there. I liked the idea of like making them not necessarily like bad guy, bad guys. And I I do like how they helped out at the end. But like it was it was just weird how they got like big names like another what we do in the shadows actress. uh, The the lady who plays Nadja was Wingnut. Yeah. Yeah, and, so, and and they they went that extra step of making her the bat character, and they mm-hmm. didn't do really anything with her. <laughs> like I, I'm like, ah, oh, you really missed an opportunity there. But I know that they are planning on turning this into a TV show with these characters. And oh, interesting. I oh, hell the yeah. Actors. So they're right. they're the the they said that the plan was after this movie they're going to do a TV show, and then they're going to lead the TV show into the sequel for the another movie. So oh, they're making a sequel. Would never have guessed. Making a sequel, right? <laughs> like, especially if you that, see that scene. Well, I would never have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I like I I liked I liked every bit about where they took the story because it was so different and it was so original for the turtles. I I definitely think that the fight scenes were lacking. Um, but like it's their first go, so I guess that's all right. I really loved that that scene in the middle where it was cutting between the turtles, like going across the room. 
more of that would have been cool. But I think they uh, they did that one scene really well. And uh, the, the old boy reference. Yeah, yeah, the old boy reference, essentially. So they uh, they really did that well. And I would have loved to have seen more stuff like that. But it was uh, it was surprising how the Ninja Turtles only like got into like two fights and really only one fight. So like it was it was lacking in that respect. But I other than that, I, I couldn't uh, I really couldn't find much more to say negatively about it, because even the things that I thought were minor quibbles just they didn't compare into the fact that when I see the movie, I, I have a good time. And like mm-hmm. at the beginning, especially when they're walking back to the sewers, you said it, it's about loneliness. And it's like your heart breaks for them as they're like hiding from the people trying to get back home and just really downtrodden. Watching and Ferris I think Bueller. The, the music, yeah. The music by, uh, was it Trent Reznor and uh, Atticus, Ross. Atticus Ross? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the they music by those guys, they are, they, they know how to hit that mood. And uh, it really, it really takes the movie to an, another level because yeah. of it. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of good emotion scenes in it as well as uh, comedic scenes. Are you are you counting uh, that whole climax as like one fight? Because there's like several sort of bits to it. I yeah, think. I mean, they show up at the end. They they stop. They 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 push into him, and then he turns into a yeah, giant. Yeah, the monster. thing happens, and it's a bigger fight. Yeah, I would sort of uh, yeah, say that no. that's like two fights at least. The the, the well, fight with him, and then the fight with the the, the bigger thing. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fair. It, I just I wasn't a lot of ninjaing. I guess is what I'm getting at. Like, yeah, true. They 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 don't do a ton. Of, like, I, I really like love it when fights. they can fight yeah. like a bunch. Like when you put them in a room with a dozen guys, kind of like when Splinter uh, beats up those guys. Like, I wanted to see more of that because mm-hmm. it gives you more potential for you know dynamic action scenes with you know interesting fights. You don't have to worry about actors doing choreography when you can animate it, so you, you can show like you can do an uncut broken shot of these fights that we just can't get in live action. And I, I felt like that was like a, a missed opportunity because they only did it like the one time. Yeah, I, I could, I can see that. Yeah. I personally was struggling with the uh, turtles, not named Leonardo. Um, I, <laughs> That's fair. I was, I think he normally gets the most stuff to do of in, Interesting. in like in typical turtle movies. Um, and this one, I felt like he was almost the only one getting anything. Uh, the other guys almost didn't have their uh, own characteristics kind of amplified in the way that they do in other ones. Um, and I'm not saying it's bad because they're not the other ones because I try not to do that. But uh, I, if I didn't, if I wasn't familiar with the turtles as a property, I don't know how much I would have gotten about Raphael Donatello and Michelangelo. Um, because I really did feel like it was Leo, Splinter, and April were the three main people or three main characters that I, uh, you know, was getting story stuff from. Um, and then what? Since I have familiarity with the turtles, I almost felt like the voice actors should have been switched around with some of them. Um, I don't. I I had it in my head. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think like I wanted. Donatello to be Michelangelo, Michelangelo to be Raphael, and Raphael to be Donatello, or something like that. Donatello definitely sounds the most kid-like. 
Yeah. 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 And in about a year, they're not going to be able to use that kid or Donatello is going to go through puberty because (laughs) that voice is going to break soon. (laughs) I thought Donatello had a little bit of an arc because he sort of feels like his weapon's useless. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And, and then it becomes I honestly, useful later I, on. Your 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 feeling about Leonardo is spot on. Although for me, I I thought it was so refreshing to see them kind of make one turtle the main character. Like oh, we we do okay. know these characters, and I can see where maybe that might be an issue for someone coming into the the franchise fresh. But like, they always focus on Raphael, and they always I yeah. really loved how Raphael wasn't like overbearing in this where you know because he's always so moody and they use that so well in this one particular movie where like he is he's got a lot of rage and they they comment on it and Mm -hmm. but it's never to the point where it's a cause of conflict between them and i think that's an overused plot in the turtles so seeing leo kind of and then leo also gets to be the one that crushes on april like normally it's michelangelo's crushing on april or donatello in the one series like Leonardo never gets that, never gets the girl. And I like that this time he did. So like my hope is that in the future, like the other movies will give each turtle a spotlight. But um I I think they it's nice to see Leon. I, I I'm a Cyclops guy. I like to see the the <laughs> boring one, so to speak, get yeah. the spotlight because I was, I was gonna say he's uh, he's the straight guy basically in, in the group, isn't yeah. it? Like in in the yeah. original intro, they define all their characteristics too, like Donatello is the machine guy michelangelo's the party dude Raphael just sort of jokes around and leonardo's the leader a leader yeah yeah i don't mind making leo the focus my issue is just that i didn't really feel like i got enough of the characteristics of the other three so like i i'm like i said i was glad that there was a defined arc for one of them it just seemed like there's leo and the other ones yeah that makes sense. I I agree. I, I agree. I agree with you. I would have loved to have seen more of them, but then we'd have a four hour movie on our hands. <laughs> well, I'd be okay with that. I, I would be movie. too. Yeah. All I Let's all go. I wanted. I don't know if we necessarily needed arcs, but just like lines of dialogue or little actions that show a little bit more about the three others. Because, like I said, it just feels like Leo and the other ones who are almost interchangeable. They're all just chaotic teenagers. Which I, I'm glad about the teenager thing. I just want more like, oh, Donnie's the tech savvy one. Mikey's yeah. the silly one. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think at the end they hit the that part one. pretty well when uh, when Leo is finally being the leader and saying like, Donnie, you've seen more you know kaiju movies than anyone, and like they kind of he kind of like defines their roles to them of what they're good at, and it it to, at that to up till that point it it was they didn't really quite get that. And right. now they kind of are being driven in a direction and it's, it's a really good origin story, essentially. Like they don't really know who they are because they are teenagers. And so they don't, they're not as defined. And so I think I could give them That's a fair. bit of grace That's as a fair. result of it, but you're right. They, they definitely don't, don't do what you would hope they would do. And I think it's because they're trying to tell a bigger story that's going to go on and uh, we can only say like, and, and that that's a flaw. You, you know, don't show me, don't, don't set it up for later, do it now. Right. So that way, if there is no later, there's nothing, but it's, it's always the fine line you walk. And I actually have it in my notes. The turtles work better as a TV show. They, they just mm-hmm. do because there's when you have an ensemble cast like this, where it's, 
four brothers and they each should have their own spotlight you how do you do that in a in a 90 minute movie yeah and a lot of them seem to be 90 minutes and it's mm-hmm. a little bit too tight sometimes yeah it is it's uh, it's august i suppose <laughs> yeah, the, the shorter movies people want to go out there and enjoy the sunshine maybe i mean i do <laughs> i'll tell you that it's I, not often where i'm like i don't feel like going to the movies right now but i, felt I, I also want to say um i didn't really like uh, the mid credit scene not just because it's like just blatant sequel baiting but i also liked the fact that that character wasn't in this movie so i, I kind of oh yeah that I, I would have liked to have seen them keep that going to be honest i don't want to see him I might have left before the mid credit scene, so I'm, oh, okay. I'm not even sure what you're talking about. Let's just say yeah, you... there is a very main villain that is in every iteration of the Turtles I, that shows up. Yeah. It's like something I liked about it was the fact that he wasn't in it. Yeah. You should be able to guess who we're talking about now, Robert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> something having to do with uh, cheese. Yes. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Any any final thoughts on this movie? Nick, I know you're a big Turtles guy, so I want to let you get it out there. I really love that the the random evil lady was her last name was Utrom, which is a nod to the Krang. So it's possible yeah. that we get Krang in future iterations, which I think was fun. Uh I will say that I really liked uh, the Turtles introduction in this film where they, they don't have pupils to their eyes the first time you see them because uh, it's a homage to the original comics. And actually, the, the portrayal of their characters in that particular bit uh, was is how they are in the comics. That they're, they're much more sort of uh, badass, sort of like uh, stoic sort of characters. I don't really. It's Daredevil, essentially. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that too. Cool. Well, let's move on to our wild card movies. Um, yeah, John, I'll start with you. What do you got? Uh, strays. Uh, shall I just say what I think of it? Uh, I'm probably going to say low side of just okay, which is probably more a higher rating than I thought I was going to give it, actually. And it was not very helpful oh, for this film uh, when I went into it. But it was, uh, I think it was literally the only film that sort of looked mildly interesting that was out in this country uh, in August. <laughs> I, I don't know what they, they do in August. They just don't bring films out uh, at the same time they bring them out in America. It's a problem like throughout the summer. Um, but anyway, it's basically Homeward Bound, but like as a raunchy adult comedy. Uh, and the the mouths move in very sort of uncanny valley sort of style. And uh, this dog taken by his owner to um, a very sort of faraway place. And he thinks he's playing catch with him. He says, oh, go and catch that ball. And then he basically just sort of drives away. The dog is naive to the fact that his owner hates him. He just wants to get rid of him the whole time. And uh, so eventually he is abandoned by his owner successfully. And uh, he meets these other two sort of misfit strays. Uh, and they are making oh, their way back the to, um, comes from. to find uh, his owner. Because he's now on a mission to get his sort of revenge. The revenge being he goes, he wants to bite off his dick, basically. <laughs> so. <laughs> As one Again, does. It, it's just pure rock. It's, <laughs> it's one of those sort of like films, a bit like Sausage Party. It's just, uh, it's like a yeah. sort of whimsical kind of setup. It sort of looks like a kid's film, but it's actually just, you know, raunchy as hell. It's, it's just swearing and rude jokes and uh, adult humor the whole time. Um, like the dogs spend large times, large portions of the film humping things like dogs do. Most of the humor just comes from it being sort of gross and just uh, a, lo- a lot of sort of uh, swearing throughout the whole thing. And, uh, 
I cannot get behind this sort of um, idea that uh, things are funny just because they're gross or something. It, it, it yeah. just makes me cringe. I, I just I just can't get behind that. There's, there's actual scenes of actual vomit uh, in this. Hate it. I'm just like, I, I don't want to see that. That's not funny. He goes through a little bit of an arc. This is actually why I, I think I enjoyed it a little bit more than I thought I would. There is a little bit of emotion behind some of the arcs that the characters go through of uh, him like wanting to get revenge on his owner. And then as he's getting closer to where his owner is, he's sort of thinking to himself, no, I, I want to bring the ball back to him. I, wa- I want to make things up with him. And the, the people that he's with are, uh, are saying to him, no, 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 you can't let him off like that. He, he's been terrible to you. He hates you. He, he, he's not a good owner. You have to get revenge on him. And uh, basically there's the sign of sort of standard sort of like fallouts, you know, a, f- a few minutes before the end of like, oh, well, we just don't want to have anything more to do with you or anything. And then they realize for themselves, oh, you know, we were hard on him. We've got to go back and save him. Yeah, I was watching trailers for this. They were coming up all the time. And I just, I said, I refuse. I'm not putting it on the schedule for the for it, this it looks, podcast. It does look terrible from the trailer. And it, most of it is like that. They, I think actually they cut out most of the emotional stuff from the film that actually made it a bit more interesting, I thought. There's one particularly good scene where they, they eat magic mushrooms, actually, which I thought was quite That's creative. in the trailer. <laughs> it's in the trailer? It's in the yeah. trailer. I just I, I said earlier, didn't I? They put everything in the trailer now. It's, they do. So true. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Yeah, I it's, was just like dogs. The thing that makes that scene enjoyable is you just do not expect something like that to happen. He's like, <sighs> look at my human hands. Oh, it's a great, yeah. It's, it's a great <laughs> little gag, I, I thought. Yeah, I had a why great time watching that in the trailer. Something like that. Why would you put that in the trailer? <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't I don't understand the appeal of like just having like a whimsical kid-like sort of premise and just making it raunch. I, I, I don't no. understand why that's a thing that they seem to be doing a lot now as Sausage Party and uh, I suppose Team America was another one that was a bit like that. I, 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 I was on the fence about seeing Strays, but I think you've kind of pushed me back over to not Off. bothering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't bother with it. Certainly not in the cinema. Nick, what's your wild card? Mine is the Netflix original movie starring Gal Gadot, uh, Heart of Stone. And um, I put in my letterbox review that like all of Netflix's trailers, if you turn this movie off halfway through, you'll probably have a good time. Like, I don't (laughs) I don't know what it is about them. Like, I'll be watching their trailers and halfway through the trailer is when they start spoiling the entire movie. And so if you stop watching, you're, you're good. You might actually enjoy the movie. This one, I got halfway through the movie and I'm like, all right. And then it's over. And then there was an hour more of the movie left. And I was like, what are we doing here? It's just, it's about this, this, uh, this secret spy lady. And they kind of like at the very beginning, the first half is really fun. Like it was doing different things. Like I even thought I was like, oh, and the cliche is he's going to die and then turn out to be the bad guy later. And he didn't die. And I was like, oh, okay. And it, it, it really surprised me with some of the, the the avoidances of the typical spy movie action tropes. Um, and mm-hmm. then at the halfway point, it literally goes and it does exactly what I was hoping it wouldn't do. Like it, it suddenly becomes the tropey spy movie that is just like full of cliches and like it's just mindless action. The story stops being interesting. It it was just so disappointing because I really enjoyed it for that first like 45 minutes. Jamie Dornan is in this and a few other notable people. Uh, the, the kid who was the, the main character in Gran Turismo has a bit role in it. 
Um, it's got a really interesting premise and world build where um, there's this secret organization uh, that has this AI. If you ever saw the show Persons of Interest, it was it's an AI very similar to that, where it's like the perfect AI that can predict anything. It can essentially tell the future, but it's in the hands of this agency that works in the shadows to protect the world and um they use uh, cute playing card monikers so like she's the uh she's the the nine of hearts and like there's uh the that the german guy actor who was in the army of the dead movies um he is oh, I know he's like the man in the name. chair and he's really good in this and he's the he's he's called jack and like the the, the heads of the different departments are the kings and so like there's there's this really interesting like spycraft like almost uh kind of like kingsman where they have their their Mm. clever nicknames and monikers and um like i was really getting into that and it was really fun and then there's there's of course a double cross and there's of course us you know a secret person trying to do a thing and you're like it's intriguing and then it kind of like shows (laughs) Pun intended, it, it shows its hand uh, about halfway through, and then it just completely drops all of the interesting threads they were going down, and it becomes about, like, Gal Gadot trying to save this girl from herself, and it's just, it, it, I just completely lost interest. Yeah, I reviewed this uh, for the site. Oh, did um, you? I did not like it. Okay. <laughs> Any I... of it, or just the, the whole thing? Pretty much the whole thing. It's just them trying to do Mission Impossible, basically. And That's what it felt like, yeah. Just nothing new to it. When I see a new Netflix title, I make sure to dis- make sure to distinguish between whether it's going to be a Netflix-produced movie that's quote-unquote content, or whether mm-hmm. they're like distributing an actual movie, like when they yeah. put out a Scorsese or a Bombback or something like is that. Is it a tick-tick uh, yeah. boom, or is it a red notice? <laughs> right. So when I saw what this was, I was like, I'll, I'll pass. Um, <laughs> it's a red notice. <laughs> yeah, it's a red notice. Um, my wild card is Talk to Me, which I am surprised that I even went to see in the first place. I was convinced finally to see it by our two buddies, Aaron Schweitzer and Foster. Man, this movie is scary. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm a horror wimp, so take my saying that it's scary with a grain of salt. But it really freaked me out. Um, not often am I like wanting to get to my car as quick as I can, leaving a theater, or like you know wanting to make sure that there are lights on when I get home or stuff like that. But this was one of those situations. Um, it's it's really really good though. So me saying it's scary and that like I didn't really enjoy my experience speaks to its quality. Um, the main actress, Sophie Wilde, is a great horror lead. Um, it's an A24 distributed movie. I don't know if they produced it. It doesn't really matter, but it feels like it. Oh, no, they distributed it. Yeah. So it's and it feels like one that kind of wanted to be distributed by A24. If you kind of know what I mean, where certain certain A24 horror movies have their hallmarks and <laughs> this kind of fits all of horror them. Horror movies. <laughs> sure. This one is definitely horror, though. Um, this is the one with like the said, hand. Right? It's the one with the hand okay. uh, where you hold the hand and say, talk to me. And all of a sudden you're being possessed by a, a ghost. And it's really freaky. Um, kind of like the last voyage of Demeter, but better is that it like goes to places. Um, it has 
really harrowing ideas. Um, ones that are not going to really sit well with you if you want to have a good rest of your night. So, you know, maybe if you're the type of person who's, who's like mindset can be affected by the movie that you watched, maybe go into this in a good mood so that you're not, you know, so it's not going to you know do too much to you. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't really don't want to say too much about it. Um, it's been out for a while. So people who have seen it or a lot of people have already seen it, but if you haven't, uh, just know that it's pretty freaky, but it's also really, really good. So there's my, there's my wild card. Talk to me. Watch it during the day with all the lights on. Yeah, man, I wanted to, but the only <laughs> close uh, show times were at like seven o'clock, which means it was going to get out, get out around nine and sunset by then. Uh, you got a quick run I, to the car. Yeah. <laughs> Check no all the options. back seats before getting in. <laughs> and my headlight is out, so which made it even oh, no. worse. <laughs> um, oh, God. Oh, my. I, I had no. to replace that. Um, let's do our last segment and talk about our favorite movies of the year so far. Just a brief mention, one or two minutes. Um, Nick, what's your favorite movie of the year so far? Right now, uh, it, I think it's going to be really hard to knock off. It's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I just. Every time I see it, I like it more, and the the addition of the soundtrack just really elevates the movie for me. Like we, I downloaded the the soundtrack shortly after the movie came out, and we were just listening to it in the car, kind of on repeat for the month of May. And it's it's funny how the the song progression really does take you through the movie like based on what song's on you know what part of the movie it is and mm. just the way that he integrated that into like the themes of the movie i think is just it's james gunn at his best and uh i really just i love the whole rocket stuff he's such a, an, a great character and i'm glad that the movie ended the way that it did with the with who is left in the gal the guardians and uh just i'm you know it was it was nice to go into a marvel movie to get what you were expecting from a marvel movie and not be disappointed by it and then uh and then on top of that have it it's probably in my like top top 10 favorite of the marvels all of all time so it's mm. uh it it's really one that just i love it i will never Listen to Dog Days Are Over the same way after that movie. Right. Um, uh, my favorite of the year is probably Oppenheimer. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought actually I was going to struggle to sit through this uh, in the cinema because I actually saw it twice in the cinema uh, just because it's three hours. Um, yeah. But it's just every single second of it is just so compelling, like the sound, the the um, the characters, the acting, um, the visuals of it all. Um the thing I really didn't expect, actually, is, uh, you know, the, the actual sort of bombing of Japan, which happens off screen, which I love. Um, mm -hmm. That's like an hour before the end of the film. You know, there's a lot more stuff after that, uh, which, is, you know, they, they really sort of emphasize the fact that it's it's not a story of like developing the atomic bomb or anything. It's Oppenheimer's story. No, right. It's very much yeah. about him and his rivalry with uh, this Robert Downey Jr. character. Strauss, is he called? I never remember character. Strauss. Name. Yeah, Strauss. Um, uh, and I also love what Nolan did with uh, kind of doing the memento thing of having black and white scenes to sort of distinguish between his story and Oppenheimer's story uh, and the sort of different perspectives of things and bringing back the scene with Einstein at the end and sort of seeing it from a different perspective uh, and how, you know, that affected him and leaving it very sort of ambiguous at the end about, you know, ha has he done the right thing? You know, 
is he in the wrong here just because of how the thing he happened to have invented was used by somebody else? Um, and I, I also didn't realize um, until I saw this film, uh, this idea that uh, they only had two bombs and uh, one was just sort of to sort of show what they can do. And the other one was to sort of imply that they were going to keep doing this over and over to Japan, but actually they didn't have any other bombs. Um, uh, and absolutely stacked cast as well as all doing a really oh, good yeah. job. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, the leverage Christopher Nolan has as a director now that he can get that many like big stars into being one film, and a lot of them not even play particularly big roles. You know, absolutely, uh, love uh, that uh, he's able to do that now because of the reputation that he has, and uh, that the scene where they test the bomb. I think that's that's one of the best use of sound I think I've ever seen in a film. Yeah, it's great. In fact, yeah, it it's my number two. <laughs> yeah, it, me too. That's uh, because Asteroid City is still my number one, but it's it's really close between that and Oppenheimer. I think I said the same thing last month. Um, there's a chance they'll flip by the end of the year, or maybe Dune Two was supposed to be my number one movie, but we'll have to save that for 2024. But there's a good yeah. chance that Oppenheimer will take over the top spot because I've seen it twice also. So yeah, great guys, this was awesome. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it, it's been fun. With that, quick reminder that Sif Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media. If you're interested in writing for sifpop.com or if you want to get in contact with us, then email us at writersroom at sifpop.com. You can also join me next month as I talk with Sif Pop Writers Jason and Luke to discuss some of the biggest movies of September. So until next time, we have to get back to the writer's room. <laughs>